This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just 25 cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just 35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. Hey. Hey, how's it going? This is Kevin hosting the uh, Blog Talk Radio First Finsider podcast. I'm joined by Keith. You guys know him as KMB8488. How's it going, Keith? Good. I need to get that name changed at some point. <laughs> we'll get you there. I think uh, I think all of us are starting to get to that point. Yeah. But, uh, I don't I'm told it's actually pretty easy to do that, so we'll see. Uh, I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. <laughs> Same here. God, I, it's been a long time coming, guys. We've been working on this for a while, and uh, I'm just happy that we finally can bring it to you. Um, but So uh, there's been just a ton of stuff to talk about right now. I don't even know where we should actually start. Uh, well, I guess we're going to start with Jeff Ireland. Yeah, that's probably the <laughs> obvious place to start. But, uh, uh, what's your take on everything that's been going on right now? Uh, I think it comes down to the fact that if you want to like Jeff Ireland, there's a little bit of evidence there to keep you feeling that way. And if you want to hate him, there's a lot of evidence to keep you going. So there's definitely a lot. (laughs) And I mean, it's, I mean, the, the complaints right now for the most part, I think are valid. And I mean, full disclosure, I'm not an Ireland hater. I mean, he annoys me. Uh, I've said as much in a lot of my, my articles. I do think he's smarmy. 
he has that kind of Mike Sosha, I invented the the way of doing this uh, disposition. So, I mean, there's a there's a lot to dislike with him, but I I also realize the fact that the guys he has drafted, whether it was with Barcells or on his own, those guys are all starters for us. I get that, and and he's done a really good job of coming up with these undrafted free agents who have been, I mean, they, really I mean they've had an the, impact on this team. You can really see the scout side of him. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing when he's scouting. But when it comes to free agency, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, like, like, I, like I put on the site yesterday, I try to stay neutral. I, I try very hard to stay neutral. Because I think that's my role. But he makes it difficult because you do sit there and you watch free agent after free agent visit with us and go somewhere else and visit with us and go somewhere else. So I'm not somebody that's ever going to call for a coach's firing. I'm not somebody who's ever going to call for a general manager's firing because I know I can't do their job. I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing, but – he makes it very hard to like him. I think uh, this. I think he's in a, a situation now where, I mean, this is this is it for him. I mean, he's got an owner who wants to spend. He's got a coach who is incredibly well respected, seemingly by everyone who talks to him. And I mean, yep. it appears to be. Uh, I mean, he's a great developer. He's a fantastic offensive mind. I mean, he's. I mean, there are no excuses at this point. There's no. Sperano field goals and fist pumps. There's no. <laughs> Can we get some fist pumps just for the fun of it? You'll probably get a few. I mean, it, it, it's no surprise that, t- that Tebow went there. I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit, but <laughs> it, no surprise at all. You you just know that Sperano, when we played Denver, I think it was last October, had to be sitting there thinking, boy, I really want that guy on my team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then the the problem with that, well, we'll get to that in a minute, I guess. I, I won't go there yet because I did want to pick up on one thing that you brought up, um, Ross. I, there are so many people that hate Stephen Ross <laughs> and talk about the fact that he needs to sell the team because he's taking it down. And I see it exactly the opposite. And I don't know if I'm the minority here on this or what, but – I see it as exactly the opposite of that. I think he wants to win, and that's where the problem comes in. He realizes, hey, look, I'm not a football person. I can run a business. I can make money. I can do things like put a club into Joe Robbie, Sun Life, whatever we're going to call it next week, stadium. Right. And I can do things like bring in big-name celebrities. But in the long run, none of that affects the football sense. He realizes, I need somebody to do that. And he thought he had that in Bill Parcells. Obviously, the tuna was whatever he was. Stuck in the Now 80s. he's turning to – exactly. And now he's turning to Jeff Ireland and saying, hey, get me a football team. So, I don't know. I, I, I see Ross as, I have the money, I'm willing to spend it, go get me a football team. I think he's actually pretty decent for the Dolphins. He just needs to make better decisions and get better people around him. Right. And I mean, that's why I brought up Philbin. I think that 
And I think it speaks volumes that Sylvan was Ross's guy. I mean, he yeah. was he was after the the premier football mind. You know, Philbin, for all intents and purposes, wasn't the big name. I realized that Fisher was the big name. And, I mean, if we could – actually, this segues into another thing, but imagine if we had that guy right now, we'd be out a uh, defensive coordinator, gone indefinitely. Yeah. So I'd like to think this this worked out pretty well for us. I think it did. So. I really think it did. And uh, you're listening to the Insiders' first-ever podcast. We're excited to bring it to you. You're talking. You're listening to uh, Kevin, myself, and uh, Keith, KMB eight four eight eight, and uh, we're going to keep bringing it to you and keep talking some football. And it's important um, to note that we're going to get better at this too. Yes, we're getting much, much better at this. <laughs> this is completely without a net. We're, we, we've got some more things coming. We've got some things in the in progress, and uh, I'm excited. Next time, hopefully, we can go live with it. Um, there's a chat room we can have open so you guys can chat with us while we're on it. There will be a guest phone line that you guys can call in on. We'll get better at this, I promise. But we're working through it. But, okay, so the big news around the NFL, we may as well go to it. It's not Dolphins-related, but it is AFC East at least. Tebow. Tim Tebow went to the New York Jets twice this week. <laughs> And, um, you know, my my concern is with Tebow going to the Jets is what is Tony Sperano going to come up with? Because Tebow gets into the red zone and actually tries to score a touchdown. Is that allowed in a Sperano offense? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to have to be uh, at some point. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, they're going to – it's funny because we make fun of the Jets for having somewhat of a dumbed-down offense anyway, uh, the kind that we were trying to get away from. And it's almost like by taking in Tebow, they're embracing that now. They're saying, look, we're okay with this this college offense. Well, let's go to work here. And what does this say about Mark Sanchez? Sanchez, that guy right now, I mean, first they did Sperano him. They went looking at Peyton Manning when they had a quarterback that they say they loved. So then they gave him the contract extension, just like Sperano with the whole uh, Jim Harbaugh issue. And now they just went around and went right back out and said, okay, now we're going to get the biggest name in the sport right now. I mean, Tim Tebow going to New York will put Lynn Sanity on the back page. Thank God. No yeah, but, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of insanity but, too. But I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what what does Mark Sanchez have to be thinking right now? Well, I didn't think that this was going to be a, a long term thing for him. Anyway, I remember he got him to the consecutive AFC Championship games, and I remember thinking. A better quarterback would have these guys in the Super Bowl. I know that's kind of unfair to say, especially for for fans of a team that came and muster Sanchez. Well, for the most part, so I still think Chad Henney is a better quarterback than Mark Sanchez. I th- I think that Mark Sanchez has has presented that team with the ultimate sense of denial because they traded so much away to go up and get that guy. Yes. 
I mean, they yeah. that was a big league move when they did that. And, I mean, all of New York was excited. I remember watching that draft. I, I had to sneak it in because I remember it was on my, my girlfriend's birthday, so I almost had to <laughs> stealthily watch this thing. But I mean, New York was just going nuts over the, over the idea of getting this this hot shot out of USC. And he's had some – I mean, I'll give credit where credit should go. I mean, he's had some – He's had some clutch moments. There's been times where I've seen him late, at the ga- late in games and thinking, I mean, wow, this guy's really really doing something. But it doesn't happen enough for me to really take that guy seriously. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's the same thing that we saw with Henny. It's the same thing you see with TiVo is there are those moments that you're just like, wow. And then they're, the next moment you're sitting there going, what just happened? Yeah, I mean, his arm is terrible. The, I mean, I, I think about Chad Pennington when I watch that guy throw the ball, and I remember it might have actually been the game against Denver this year, but they had some kind of Hail Mary situation at the end. And if that guy can throw the ball 45 yards, then I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, that thing is that thing is a noodle. So, well, speaking of that, did you hear the, uh, the ending throw at um, Andrew Lux? Pro day today? No, I've uh, like, like I told you, I had to I had to scamper off and do a few work things. So at football news, as of the last four hours, I'm completely oblivious to. They did uh, they did the whole scripted normal thing, just like uh, two days ago, I guess, or yesterday with uh, RG3. But at the end, they wanted to show that hey, Andrew Luck does have an arm. Because that's what people are trying to knock him on right now, is he doesn't have the strongest arm. So it's a windy day at Stanford. He drops back and throws a 75-yard bomb. Nice. And everybody just kind of went, oh, never mind. Like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, the final throw was a 75-yard on-a-rope bomb. I'd say he's got – I don't know exactly what I call it, maybe deceptive arm strength, because I remember when when I first started hearing about this guy and going back and looking at his video, I mean, he had, he had a really good arm. I mean, accurate. It's certainly nothing, nothing I would thumb my nose at, but it, it wasn't the kind of rocket launcher that I, I'm thinking back to guys like Ryan Leaf, guys who, I mean, when they stepped in, I mean, the ball had steam on it. Right. And I remember thinking, like, I mean, his arm's good enough. It's not a at all a deal breaker. It's not a negative or anything. And then there are some throws he he'd rip that I mean took considerable arm strength to to put something like that out there. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not surprised he threw 75 yards. Let's put it that way. Well, guys, are listening to the Finsider podcast, bringing it to you for the first time. Um, unfortunately, right now, we are going to try to have Brian come on. You guys know him, Finhead83. We are trying to have him come on. Unfortunately, he can't make it tonight. So uh, hopefully next time we'll be able to have him call in right now. But while we're waiting to see if we can get any of our other guests to come in tonight, we'll go ahead and turn the uh, conversation over to Peyton Manning. And the whole nut roll that that was. <laughs> I, I, I really think, I mean, really, can you fault Stephen Ross and Jeff Ireland for going after him? No, I think if you have any 
uh, any respect for your, your franchise in its current state, then I think that you owe it to yourself to at least go after the guy. I mean, put something out there, especially when you have Stephen Ross's money. You have the defense that we have out there. Unless you've got Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, why not? Yeah. I mean, the Saints don't even really have Drew Brees right now. Why not make a run at him? Yeah. And I know that everybody tries to use the, oh, we missed thing, but at least we got in the door. Mm-hmm. We got to talk. Sure, the reports are that he did not want to talk to us. That's why it was up in Indy. And the only reason that we got in the door was because Dan Marino made the phone call and said, hey, please talk to the Dolphins. <laughs> but at least we made that because I don't know if you saw the report, but Seattle, they flew when Peyton Manning was in Denver. Seattle flew to Denver. Their owner, GM, coach, everybody got on a plane, flew to Denver, hoping to get a meeting. Not even having a meeting, just hoping to get a meeting Got down there, started calling, going, hey, we're here. Come talk to us. And Peyton wouldn't even take the phone call. To be fair, I wouldn't talk to Pete Carroll either. But <laughs> I would avoid that guy like the plague. But, yeah, I mean, seeing this is where where it gets really frustrating because Seattle pretty much has the door slammed in their face after they fly out to talk to this guy. Imagine if that had been Ireland and Ross. You know, maybe they take Philbin with them and they go and they get the door slammed in their face, we'd be just killed mm-hmm. in the media, destroyed. Very much, so. Very much so. But, not. I mean, that's the only report. It, it was a report one time. Seattle came out and went, yeah, we tried. And then everybody went, oh, okay. But for yeah. some reason, if, if anything newsworthy happens with Miami that could possibly be negative, they're going to make it as bad as possible. Yeah, and I mean, some of this is, right now, it's deserved. I mean, Ireland doesn't come across well. He's not well-received. Uh, I don't subscribe to the theory that those guys on uh, NFL Network, I think they had Joey Porter talking. They had Ryan, I think Ryan Clark tweeted, and then Channing Crowder, we already know his problems. But I can't think of three guys I hold in less regard than and- them. If they give their opinion, whatever. I don't really care. Who, I mean, I I argued this point about Matt Flynn with somebody on Twitter the other day. Why is it that we're turning to ex-Dolphins and thinking that's an impartial uh, source? I mean, of course Channing Crowder's ticked off at uh, Jeff Ireland. Of course. Ryan Clark is, because Ryan Clark thought he was going to come down to Miami and get this big, huge deal, and we went, not so much. Of course Matt Flynn is going to go, oh, yeah, I went to where I thought it was a better situation, because they he didn't get the love he thought he was going to get from us. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, turn to, okay, turn to Brandon Marshall, who apparently went in and hugged Jeff Ireland before he left. Ask him. But nobody will because he doesn't make the sexy, newsworthy, I hate everybody soundbite. Yeah, well, I mean, Brandon Marshall has wanted to play with Jay Cutler forever. Yep. Unless he's punching somebody in the face, then he gets a uh, newsworthy soundbite. Or getting stabbed. (sighs) Yep. But so what did you think of that trade? Um, I understood it. 
I mean, it's one of those things where it's hard to, because I go back to how long it took for us to get that number one receiver. I mean, it did, it seemed like we weren't ever going to get that guy. I mean, to the point where I mean, we were supposed to draft Des Bryant. Yeah. Because of that, I mean, look at all the guys we were supposed to take a look at. Hakeem Nix could have been the guy for us. I mean, it was just a a really really long. Well, I mean, we took shots at least. I mean, granted, Ted Ginn was a huge, colossal mistake. Oh, man. Um, Yatil Green was a huge, colossal mistake. Aw. <laughs> we seem to do really well at this uh, not finding the right one of the guys. Yeah, but I, the reason I understood it is because, and I thought about this when we brought Philbin in and all of this West Coast offense talk, Started up and then Sherman climbs the board, and I mean that's I mean you look at the Packers offense. I mean Greg Jennings is their number one guy, but he's I mean you focus on him and that team's going to slit your throat because they have so many other guys who would be number one receivers, arguably on other teams. Yeah. I mean or I mean at least that caliber. I mean maybe maybe Jordy Nelson comes in and I mean Jordy Nelson is just a strong receiver. I remember watching that guy play at K State and I thought he was going to I remember he destroyed a keep to leave and this I think <laughs> probably it would have been I think 2007 and a keep to that was I mean the year when a keep to leave could do no wrong and Jordy Nelson just went in there and just spanked him. So, I remember thinking that that guy was going to be noteworthy in the, in the NFL and he's proven to be every bit that. Right. So, I, I thought, anyway, I, I digress, but so I, I figured that it was going to be, a, I, I've seen this term thrown around a lot, and I agree with it. It's like a pick-your-poison type of type of offensive scheme where, I mean, you've got all these receivers, all these moving parts working around, yeah. and, I mean, you yep. can't focus on one of them because you, you've got three or four other guys running uh, similar routes, and one of them's going to get the ball and do some damage. People are trashing the Dolphins right now because who's going to be our number one receiver? All we've got is Brian Hartline and Devon Best. Yet, then they turn around and talk about how great New England is. Well, who's New England number one? Wes Welker. I mean, if a slot guy can work up there, why are we panicked over not having the big guy get a bunch of really good receivers instead of one great receiver and you'll actually be able to do something because, like you said, who do you cover? Somebody's going to get open. Somebody's going to get the ball. Have you – actually, that's a an interesting segue. Have you looked at the receivers in this draft? I mean, have you had any time to really read up on these guys? Uh, just just the big names at the start. I have not looked deep yet. It's like a, a cornucopia of starting talent. It's really quite ridiculous. Well, that's a good thing. That yeah, it feel a little better. I uh, <laughs> I went and uh, got a draft guide maybe three weeks ago, and I mean I knew the the receiver class was going to be strong, but I I just looking at it where it had like a face by face bio, and it was just staring how long this list was. I was like, geez, I mean you're going to be able to get great receiving talent in the fourth and fifth round this year. So speaking of the draft, okay, and you brought up Mike Sherman, so. Is Tannehill the guy? Uh, my opinion, or I either way, 
I am leaning toward no, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple of things that that factor in. It. First is the fact that I mean Sherman had the guy as a wide receiver. He was starting guys. I mean, for a considerable amount of time. I mean, that wasn't. I mean, that guy didn't moonlight for a a game or two. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, that guy has significant experience in in the brand of West Coast offense that Sherman is going to put in place in Miami. But I, I'm just really hesitant to over. I mean, I think the guy's a top 15 talent. But if you had told me six months ago when the Tannehill stock talk really started around uh, the blog. If you told me that we'd take him at number eight, I probably would have had heart failure. Yeah. I, I, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, yeah, I, I'd agree that he was a top-of-the-second-round guy. And then his workouts and everything pushed him down to mid-first round. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be a reach at eight, but – if we think he's the guy, and I, uh, I I talked about this briefly on the blog earlier. Um, if he if you think he's your guy, and you know he's not going to be there in the next round, don't you have to take him no matter where you're picking? Because it's not like you get to go, okay, I'm going to take him in the 20s, unless you can get a trade back there. So I I, I, I agree. I do think it's a reach. But I really think that that's where they're looking at this point. I no, really think that they have to be looking at Tannehill. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's something where if you look at him and you see franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, yeah, you take him at eight and you'd be done right. with it. That, I mean, that's what's the the old adage? You don't pass on a franchise quarterback unless you have one. Yep. So I think, I, I think the good part there is. At least it's the same thing as Matt Flynn. At least we're in the best position to know him. Yeah. So if we if we make the reach at eight, I'm going to trust that Herman went. Hey, this guy's got it. If we don't and we go wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, safety, pass rusher, whatever it is, and we skip the quarterback there, then I'm going to trust that Mike Sherman went. Yeah, he's good, but he's not right. Yeah. So, and if anyone's gonna know, we're gonna know. And it's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not a lot of mystery there. Whereas uh, Tannehill presents a lot of mystery to most yeah. people because it's. I mean, a lot of it's upside. You know, can this guy continue to progress at the next level, uh, and just refine some of the areas that he was really raw with at Texas A&M? Right. I'm. It's gonna take a lot to get me off the best player available train right now, though. I think I I am moving more and more towards that. I really am. I mean, at this point, we have needs on defense. We have needs on offense. No matter how the first seven picks fall, there's a good player sitting there at eight. And if you get that good player at eight, he's going to help your team in some way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I I really think we're going to go with a slam dunk pass rusher. That's I just keep coming back to that. I'll have bouts where I think, well, you know, maybe we we trade back and we get the receiver thing started early. Or I really don't think it'll be an offensive lineman. I would be floored 
if it's an offensive lineman this year. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the wrong pick. I know every, a lot of people listening to this will think that's the wrong pick, and I understand that too, especially with the the fact that our our list of needs grew a little bit over the last you know, week, week and a half. I would be shocked if it's an offensive lineman. I really think that, I mean, if we have our, our pick between Copels and Ingram, I think that I mean, you, you got to take the guy you think is going to be the, the the better pass rusher, and I'm all for that. So which way do you lean on that debate? Between those two? Yeah. Uh, I would I would go with Melvin Ingram. I think he's – Yeah, okay. We run the hybrid defense. He's a tweener anyway, and – if the the only hangout people have with him is his arm length and his height, I'll get over it. The guy's just under six yeah. two. I know he's got he's got short arms. I mean, we we we've seen short people for their positions work well with Zach Thomas. I yeah. think I can get over height. He's just ex, he's explosive. I mean, you can put him yeah. anywhere. North, I mean, South Carolina, you literally use that guy all over. I mean, kick him inside. I mean, they would. he had his hand in the ground, stand him up, anywhere. I mean, they, that's the, he's the definition of hybrid. And, I mean, I feel you add him. I mean, you just re-signed Soli High. You're talking about a defensive line potentially of Odrick, uh, Soli High, Wake, and Ingram, and then you have Randy Starks in there. That's strong. Yep. What do I you think? think- I, I would say Ingram. I really would. Um, I know SB Nation posted their uh, updated mock this week, and they went Copels. But I, I like Ingram. I have since since we started this whole mock draft process and debate. I, I've been on the we need to get the quarterback. We need to find a way to get the quarterback. And I was on. I was big on the go offensive tackle if we got Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. but we didn't get Peyton. So I I don't need Reese. I don't need him. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to trust that Mercer can hold it down. He did pretty well as a left tackle. I'm going to trust he can hold it down at right tackle if we don't get anybody else, and I'll move on from there. I think pass rush is probably a good starting point. Um, I would not be against seeing what we can do with the wide receivers, although I I am absolutely in love with Blackman. He's not going to be there at eight. Yeah, he, he's not. He's so good. I am absolutely love with that guy. But we can actually, I'm not afraid to say that. No, that's fine. I don't hold that again. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, I felt that way about Ingram when I I showed you that uh, that fake punt that the guy ran. Yes. I mean, and he takes it to the house. I mean, you're talking about 276 pounds. I mean, and that guy can move. I mean, he's he's not slow. Uh, one thing, and then we'll move on. Have you read any of the the scouting stuff lately about Copels? Not really, no. It really seems that a lot of people who came out and said he had attitude, uh, work ethic problems, it seems like a lot of people are backing off that now, oh, claiming that, oh, we didn't notice that he was getting double and triple teamed routinely <laughs> last season. It's like, how did you not notice that? You know, there's three guys on one. Mm-hmm. Nobody noticed. He's see, he's not he's not nearly as versatile as Ingram in my opinion, but he's another one where you can right. kick him inside too. I mean, he's big enough to do that. But I, I just I there's just too much upside and just too much explosiveness. 
from Ingram for me to say no to him. I've looked at, I was into the idea of trading back, maybe looking at Nick Perry from USC, but I just, why why uh, look for something comparable when you can just get right. the best thing available? So now, okay, when you get to uh, Copples, Copples, can't even say his name for some reason all of a sudden. <laughs> um, you know what the one comparison is out of UNC at defensive end. Right. Does he compare to Julius Peppers? Uh, no, not really. Not in my opinion. No? He. Uh, I've seen it a little bit that they try to compare him to him because they say, oh, they're about the same size. Oh, they have about the same abilities. But I, I would go the same thing. Julius Peppers is a freak. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I, if you have a freak at defensive end, people aren't going to be debating Ingram or Copples. They're not. So I'd agree with that. But, yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, we're starting to draw down on time here. Um, you're listening to the Finsiders' first ever podcast. We only have a little bit of time left, but uh, did want to bring up everybody is freaked out about the quarterback situation in Miami, obviously. And it's David Garrard that is freaking them out the most. What do you think about David Garrard? Why did Miami move, make that move? He's a, a short-term guy, in my opinion. And, I mean, well, it's like you, you're the one who told me we were looking at Garrard last Sunday when you, when you right. sent me a text about it. And it's at first I was like, oh, I don't love that. But – I mean, is he? He's no worse than Alex Smith, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And for you see, that just tells me that this this regime's going to look to develop a quarterback. In my opinion, this is the kind of move you make when when you're looking to bring some guy in and ease him into the whole situation. And if Gerard comes in and I mean, he's he's somewhat healthy, I mean, he, it's not even a guarantee that he's going to beat Matt Moore. Yep. So I think that's I think that's exactly where he falls. I think he ends up being the number two. I think they go with Matt Moore, let him go. He he showed that he at least can do something last year. Let him go. Gerard gives you that veteran backup and you draft somebody to develop behind the two of them. If the season falls apart, then you stick the rookie in there and let him go. If the season's going decently and something happens to Matt Moore, you have Gerard to go in there. I think yeah. that's his role. You can do worse, in my opinion, but it's a short-term thing. I don't think he's going to come in there and go guns blazing and just make no. us forget about all of our quarterback problems. I don't see that happening. No, not at all. And I don't think – I think that a lot of Dolphins fans and obviously the readers reacted simply off the uh, – Stephen Ross, Jeff Ireland saying we're going to upgrade the quarterback, and the only quarterback we've brought in is David Garrard, and yeah. that's not an upgrade. It's a problem. I mean, I like like we said at the beginning of this thing, people have a right to be upset right now. Yeah. But it's more in in the lack of transparency with Ireland and Dolphins. Yep. Do you have a plan? Great, but. I mean, throw us a throw us a bone here at some point. I'm not that, asking you to tell me your off-season plans, but I think that's the Bill Parcells effect still. Because oh, Parcells, Parcells was absolutely never going to tell the media anything. 
And that's what Jeff Ireland learned under. So he doesn't talk to the media. He doesn't put things out there. He lets the moves speak for themselves. And the problem we're seeing right now is the moves, and everybody's going, well, wait, what? I don't understand. And there's no press release. There's no media availability. There's nobody asking the questions because there's nobody to ask the questions to. So I I think you're right. I think at some point Ireland is going to have to come up, step up, hold a press conference, let the media ask him the questions they want to ask him. He started it earlier this week calling the newspapers, but something more needs to happen. You've got to calm the fan base, and right now it's not happening. Well, I mean, the message he was sending out there was trust the process. The problem with that is people have a hard time trusting the process when they don't trust the person in charge of the process. Right. That's what it comes down to. And yet the point you made about the the Parcells effect, absolutely true. Can you imagine Christmas Day in Bill Parcells' house? His kids come downstairs (laughs) or something under the tree. (laughs) <laughs> gives them their presents like three days later, like one at a time. <laughs> Just enough to hold you over so I don't ruin your life. Christmas Day in the Parcells house. <laughs> yeah. The excitement leads to disappointment and then eventual acceptance. Uh, so, uh, what do you think is the big move the Dolphins have coming? Because there's got to be something coming, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we keep telling ourselves that. I mean, everyone on Twitter says that, and I, I'd like to think it, it's going to happen. Um, I'm not really – I'm not sure. I can't figure these guys out anymore. I have no idea. I mean, I didn't see the Reggie Bush thing happening. I mean, I had heard little, like, rumblings, you know, hey, maybe this could work or something, and then – I mean, James, I mean, Texas Cowpunk sends me a text at like 2.30 in the morning and say, hey, we're in negotiations with Reggie Bush. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know anymore. One thing I'd like to tack on to the Ireland debate is the fact that everyone's against him because he apparently cannot draft a quarterback, and I'm in somewhat agreement there, but I think that's why Philbin's so important because I think that guy does have an eye for quarterback talent. I think Sherman has an eye for quarterback talent. You were the one both... telling me about uh, the quarterback camp up in Green Bay, right? Yeah, the Mike McCarthy quarterback camp that's yeah. as top secret as it gets. I don't know how involved Philbin was there, but I mean, it's, I, you have to imagine he's the offensive coordinator. I mean, he had to... It's just speculation as to whether he had some kind of hand in there. But, I mean, Sherman Sherman and Philbin, I think, have have earned the the right to say that they have an eye for this stuff, and maybe they, they become the left part of Jeff Ireland's brain here and say, well, let's consider these and bring in this guy to go ahead and serve as stopgap starter while we go ahead and develop this guy that we see considerable upside in. Excuse me. Sorry about that. No problem. A little bit. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought when I coughed. That's, that's, that's <laughs> not good. Anyway, um, I think those guys are going to – I think Philbin's presence in Miami is a way bigger deal than, than people realize. I think he's the kind of pure football mind 
uh, the kind right. of pure football mind that people want, not the three yards in a cloud of dust stuff that we just had shoved down our throats for the past four years or so. That'll be good. I, I like I, so far everything Philbin has touched seems to work. Now we've got to figure out the personnel piece, but I mean the coaching staff looks good. Um, Philbin says the right things when he comes out and talks. So hopefully uh, we do. Hopefully we do have that guy finally. Yeah, I think so. It's just. It's gonna be. Uh, it's not gonna happen overnight. That's what I wrote about last night, and that's the unfortunate thing because we've been led to believe that this team was ready to win now, and now they're gonna take that offense and rebuild it. And, and that's. I think that's the biggest point is that it's a West Coast offense out of a ground and pound offense. So. There are parts that just don't fit, and there are things that we have to blow up and fix. And uh, Brandon Marshall's probably one of those parts. Had to blow it up, had to get him out of there, get him the right guys to fit the right offense. So, I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you think about that Saints penalty? That was probably... It was probably more than I would have expected. Um, I thought the the draft picks were lower than I thought. I thought they'd go a two this year because Saints already traded away their first and a first next year. Um, the uh, suspension of Peyton for a year, that's nuts. But in the long run, when you look at the whole thing and the whole situation, I think it's right on where it needed to be because yeah. – Obviously, Peyton knew what was happening. I mean, it doesn't go on for three years. Your general manager gets told, hey, stop this, and you as the head coach don't know anything about it. And I think that was the biggest point, was not the fact that it happened. Great. It happens across the league. We all know that there is a uh, pay-for-play program on probably 31 of the 32 teams. One team out there doesn't have it but everybody else probably does. But I think that uh, it was more the fact that the league came to the Saints and said, you're doing this, stop it, and the Saints didn't stop it and then tried to hide it when the league came back and looked again. And that's what got him in trouble. See, I had I had heard that Roger Goodell has had it out for Sean Payton ever since. I guess Payton... Now, this is just what I read. I guess Peyton wasn't really a big fan of doing media stuff during Super Bowl week when they went right two years ago. And I, I guess ever since then, that just really irked Goodell. And then uh, I, I had a feeling that he was going to hammer them on this, especially with uh, how committed that guy has been to preventing concussions, preventing behavior that leads to concussions. Right. I mean, he, I mean and, he's. And that's, oh, go exactly ahead. My, that's exactly my biggest problem with this. Look, I understand an NFL player is going to hit a guy. I understand those collisions can be violent. I understand a violent collision can get somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. My issue with it becomes where you are purposely putting money on the table saying if you injure this guy, 
because there's a big difference between hurt and injured. Hurt, you can play through it. You're sore. Things don't work right, but you're you're playing through it. Injured, you're not moving. There's something seriously wrong, and that's what the goal was. I mean, when you're getting paid $10,000 to take Brett Favre out of a game on a stretcher, there's something wrong with that. Because I understand when they say, oh, $1,500 isn't a lot. Oh, it was nickel and dime stuff. Yeah, okay. But when Jonathan Velma walks in and throws $10,000 on the table, I don't care how much you make. $10,000 is a big number. I just – anything where you're trying to hurt somebody or trying to injure somebody is just wrong. I mean, There's especially – Especially, yeah. Especially in a league where they're currently being sued by former players because the league apparently didn't do enough to protect them, yet the current players are putting the money on the table to go injure people. Yeah. It makes no sense. I keep coming back to that footage during that uh, NFC Championship game when the the Saints were essentially celebrating the fact that uh, they had knocked Favre out of the game. Favre's laying on the ground, and the Saints players are all standing over him, high-fiving, jumping in the air. Yep. Yeah, I mean, justice was definitely served here. Uh, I'm not a huge Saints fan. That's another full disclosure topic. <laughs> so uh, Sean Payton irks me. But so I I think that these, these penalties were right on. Uh, I was really surprised when they they hammered Payton for an entire year, though. That surprised me. Yeah, yeah that's a long time. I mean, they I, let I that really guy have it. I really thought half a season – probably appeal it down to five, six games. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, a year, he's out. So, I mean, that team, and they still have player suspensions coming. So, the Saints are gutted this year. They're just, I mean, if the Carolina Panthers want to make a run for playoffs, this is the year to do it. Uh, One more question. Uh, Yeah. Something that, that's been on my mind, especially today, after I read a few things. Do you think that we'll draft a tight end this year? That's a good question. I want us to, but do I think we will? I don't think so. Just sitting here thinking about it right now, I, I don't think so. Because I think you've got to go quarterback. You've got to go uh wide receiver at some point, you've got to go pass rusher at some point. And after that, you're probably looking depth and pick up somebody on the offensive line and probably pick up cornerback or safety, whichever way uh, uh, Marshall doesn't go. So that's a great question. I hadn't thought about tight end in like a couple weeks. I uh, I read today that Kobe Fleener ran something like a four four five at his pro day, some absurd number for a tight end. Wow! And uh, I like that guy so much. <laughs> I I went from thinking he was just a product of a- Andrew Luck to watching him play and just being genuinely impressed with what that guy's able to do on the field. He's not a very good blocker, but I mean everything else. I mean, the, I mean great hands, athletic. I mean gets out there. I mean that guy just owns the seam. So, and we don't need a blocking tight end. Anthony Fasano does well. Yeah, he's really good at that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Dono gets you. He, he's he's that he's that solid tight end. He can block. He can catch. He's not going to burn you, and he might give up a few sacks, but he's solid. I, I did see on Twitter somebody said that Fleener had a great day, but I had not looked at it at all. That, that's that's impressive. I think that I mean opinions vary on this tight end class. Some people say it's it's good. Some people say it's garbage. Some people say it's just real top heavy. Uh, the reason I brought that, brought up that question initially was I keep looking at those consecutive picks we have in the third round. I think they're like some numbers seventy three and seventy four. Right. Keep looking at that spot, and we could double down in on a receiver talent. I mean, but what if, what if that big time tight end is there? A guy like a an Agnew, some another guy who just not much of a blocker, but he gets out in the seam and he just runs a muck. Right. I keep one. I keep looking at one of those spots, and I think maybe maybe that's where Philbin thinks, or or yeah, ask Jeff Ireland if he can go get his his Jermichael Finley type because he got. I'm fairly certain he got Jermichael Finley in the third round. It's it, yeah, with with the multiple third round picks now, yeah, it, it's definitely possible. So that's just something I, I keep thinking about. I mean, Orson Charles is a, a a little bit different. The tight end from Georgia. I mean, a little bit shorter. I think he's. He's about six two, which is is fine. I think Aaron Hernandez is maybe six one, and I, I don't think height is a problem for that guy. I mean, he's just a matchup no. nightmare. Yep. So you, you could use Orson Charles in that vein. So I mean, there's there's some decent options if you play your cards right with the tight ends. I mean, it's not 2010. You're not going to have Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham and Aaron <laughs> Hernandez, and I mean, I think he had Gresham in the first round. I mean, it's just yeah. an insane run of tight end talent. But I'm looking at those spots and just wondering yeah, maybe. That, that is a very, very valid point. That can and can we get a safety, too? Do we need a safety? Uh, at I some think, point. I mean, we ran with, with Colombo being the hole on the offense. We ran 10 players on the offense all year. Do we really need a eleventh player on defense? Yeah, I, mean, I know. Uh, maybe maybe my logic is just completely askew at this point. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of tie tie this in. Uh, I'll ask you first: if you had to pick your top three man crushes in this draft, doesn't even have to be Dolphins related. Just the three guys where you look at them and think, man, I, I would love to have that guy on my respective team, regardless. It doesn't have to be a fit. Hmm. Um, top one is obviously RG3. I mean, not a chance in how we're getting that guy. Um, probably never actually had a chance in the long run. I'm going to die a little bit inside when he goes to Washington. I'm not going to lie. I'm. I love that dude. He's so good. <laughs> um, probably, uh, I guess I want to go Blackman. Like I said earlier, I love that guy too. And third, um, you you got me on uh, on Ingram. 
I, 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 yeah, I like Ingram. Um, probably my third that I really would want would be Allen, Dwayne Allen. I, yeah, I, I, his, his stock has slipped a little bit. It has. This is insane. That yeah. guy was was far and away the the most recognized tight end in this class until yep. Fleener really caught fire in November. Yep. I, I then, still I still look at him and go, I really think we could do a lot of good things with him. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a real good one. He's got good height, he's got great hands. I guess people are down on him because his speed I guess his forties weren't weren't up to snuff. Probably not going to help when Fleener gets out there and busts a yeah. four four five. But yeah, that kind of hurts. Yeah, it's gonna gonna hurt a little bit. <laughs> okay, so now you're three. Uh, I really like Luke Keekley. Uh, yeah. I, I maybe it's just Zach Thomas syndrome. Although it's come to it's come out that he's a way more athletic than people thought Keekley that is. Uh, he's just that that great old school linebacker. The guy's just a tackling machine, and it's almost like he sees things happen before they they're out there. I love that. He yeah. plays he plays linebacker, and I don't use this term often, but he plays it at genius level. Yep. Where I mean, everything is instincts. Everything is mental, and the fact that. He has better athleticism than advertised. Is great for him. Uh, Fleener's probably worked his way up there. I have a I have a soft spot for great tight ends, which is as as you can tell, it's always been a frustrating thing for <laughs> me. Well, as of late, I still miss Randy McMichael. And then uh, back in San Diego now. Yeah, no. <laughs> had some good years with him. I miss him. And then. Uh, I'm a big Harrison Smith fan, the guy from Notre Dame. That's a good one, yeah. He's uh, he's like a, a rangier. Hey, some, sometimes he reminds me of a John Lynch, except he's more rangy. I think he's he's arguably more of a fit as a free safety. Right. Um, I had read early reports that people said he was borderline linebacker material, and I watch him now, and I think, yeah, I don't know that guy. That guy displays just excellent technique, great athleticism. The fact that he he floored Deion Sanders during the combine really spoke volumes to me. I think yeah, Deion sat there and was just like, "Wow, that is smooth." I don't see him as a linebacker. I I, I think. I think you're right. Free safety is probably the perfect position for him. Wish we could get him. I don't think it's going to happen with with all the other stuff that's come up. I think that he'll probably be a maybe like a real late one, real early yep. two. But I think that with what we have going on, I, I, these picks are going to go toward you know. A, I'd like to see a pass rusher first, and after that, really get the the nuts and bolts necessary right. to get this. Uh, West Coast offense going. Yeah. Oh, offense. Uh, offense. Offense, well, offense, are, and more offense. Yes. We are just about out of time. So uh, I want to thank you for coming on today, Keith. Yeah. And uh, hopefully next week we can lock this down again. We were uh, aiming at 30 minutes for this thing. We're right at 54 right now. So uh, <laughs> I think we did pretty well. Good. <laughs> so hopefully uh, – Listeners, 
you all like it. We'll uh, take some suggestions from you, put them in the comments page on when I post this, and uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to see. And like I said, next week we'll go ahead and start getting the live chat open and taking some calls. Hopefully we can get Brian and uh, Duke, Chris, hopefully he can get on next week. And uh, even James, get TTP on here, and yeah. we'll see what we can do. That'll be fun. I'm looking for that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun interacting with everyone on the site. Yeah. I think this, this opens up so much more for us that I'm, I'm glad that we finally were able to get this done. Yeah, it's about time. Yep. But, well, you have a good night. Um, readers, like I said, let us know what you want to see. This is the Finsiders' first ever podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.